On this episode of The Bonus Years, you'll learn about Brooke's passion for her own birthday, Ben's love of Hawaii, and how awesome Brooke's dad is. Let's go. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Season Dos. For our English-speaking friends, that is two in Espanol. Espanol? Yes. Si. <laughs> Come on. Well, this is the bonus years. I'm Ben. And I'm Brooke. And we're excited. This is going to be a fun season full of really good episodes. Brooke, as we were preparing, was like, this is a lot more intense than a normal episode. It's true, though. Uh, it's going to be good, though. Diving right in. Diving right in. Hey, if you're listening for the first time, I go back. Go back. Listen to season uh, one. It's the best way to get to know us, and uh, you'll have a much better idea what you're in for. If you that's so true. That. Speaking of what we're all about, conversation starters. That's how we kick off every episode, and here we go. I have a if you could. Are you oh, ready, bro? Here we go. <laughs> if you could create one holiday, what would you create? Just a holiday. A holiday. Yeah, create it. I feel like everyone just does this anyway. Like, it's donut day. It's Yesterday was guacamole But what would day. you create? I kind of do this with my birthday month. You do. So I create the holiday of me. You're the me holiday. And what does that entail? Celebrating me. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. Doesn't that sound fun? It sounds like a blast. It sounds like what we do every March for a whole month. Yeah, mine would be uh, go to Hawaii week. It's supposed to be a day. Well, I guess I did a month. You did a month. I did a week at least. So I I love Hawaii. Yeah. I'm, I'm still grieving that we didn't get to go. I don't want to talk about it. Anyways. Well, today we're talking about changing course. So if you haven't read the most recent blog post, go check it out. And if you're not getting them sent directly to your inbox, shame on you. We shame. will not shame you here. For shame. Take it back. Take it back, Ben. Um, I saw a, a gif of uh, Pumbaa. Yeah. From The Lion King. Oh, the shame. <laughs> I used it the other day. That's really fantastic. Great. But that's what I'm seeing for you right now. But if you go to thebonusyearsblog.com, you can subscribe there and you'll never miss another. Right in your email inbox. That's yeah. the best way to do it. It's great. So, Brooke, for those listening, uh, will you set the scene for this blog post? Tell us about what things look like uh, as you were in the hospital facing liver failure. Sure. Let's set the scene. Okay, everybody, wherever, unless you're driving, close your eyes. Okay? So, when I was 20 years old, I had just finished up my sophomore year of college. Uh, I went home to visit my family, and then I was going to be on tour uh, singing for the summer. And my mom, who knows all the things, uh, was like, you're not, something's not right. And I was like, what do you mean? Something's not right. I've in my head thought I was fine. Um, turns out she was right. Shout out mom. She's always right. Uh, and within six weeks of her saying something's not right. Uh, I went into full liver failure, um, as a previously healthy 20 year old. So Went into liver failure and received a life-saving liver transplant in three days. What were your like? What were your emotions during that time? Oh my gosh! I think they ranged the spectrum. Um, at first, I just didn't believe that I was dying because I didn't feel like I was dying. I don't know what it feels like to be dying, but um, we found out later that the ammonia levels in my brain were so high that I didn't 
Like they, they told me I should have been in a coma. Um, wow. So I think the, the memorable moments um, in the hospital were uh, when the doctors told me I was going to need a liver transplant to live and me saying, I don't want one. Um, and then I was like, well, well, just in case, like, how long do I have if I don't get one? And they said maybe a week. And so insane. that was the first like reality check moment of like, yep. Okay. This is a real deal. Like I got to suck it up and do this. Um, and then knowing how quickly I got on the list for a transplant and then had my transplant, I didn't even really know, um, the side effects, the recovery process. I just knew it was necessary. And so I remember waking up post-surgery in more pain than I was before, which isn't traditionally the case when you're getting a transplant and just thinking like, I don't know if I want to do this. Right. So fast forward, your, your transplant's successful. Yeah. What, what did it feel like after that had all taken place? What, what was, I mean, go two weeks after the fact, where, where were you emotionally? What was what was on your mind? What were you thinking about? Mm, two weeks after the fact, I, um, I was really weak physically, um, pretty much skin and bones. I had lost a lot of muscle, um, from being in the hospital. Um, but I was expected to like resume normal activity. Um, I was taking about 70 pills a day when 70? I 70, 70, like seven, zero. seven, zero. Wow. Um, and it was, I just remember like they handed me the schedule when I'm leaving the hospital and I was like, I'm sorry, what? 8 a.m. Here's these pills. 9 a.m. Here's these pills. And then at noon, you need to take these before you eat and these after you eat. And then here's your afternoon pills. And then here's 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. And I just remember like that first two weeks being as soon as I was done taking them, cause I'd never taken so much medicine. Um, and I had to check my blood pressure twice a day, check my temperature throughout the day. Plus, it just didn't feel good. I didn't want to eat, which is so unlike me. I right. love food. So um, true. And the big thing was... She's eating right now. No, I'm not. I'm drinking a soda. You just got done, though. I did have some ice cream. It was real good. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, the biggest thing was thinking throughout the day, is this what the rest of my life is going to be like? Yeah. Like, as soon as I finally finished swallowing all the 8 a.m. pills, my alarm went off for the 9 a.m. pills. And I was like, Seriously? Like how, how am I supposed to resume normal activity? How am I ever going to yeah, go back? Seems impossible. How am I going to go back to school? Um, and then add to that, that to do the surgery, they severed my abdominal muscles. Um, there's, there was no way around that. And the reality of having to rebuild those muscles to return to my degree program, which was vocal performance. Um, like it just seemed so impossible. Yeah. Uh, in the blog, you talk about having to reprioritize your life. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that you had to give up in order to survive? And what was the hardest thing that you had to let go of? You know, I think the hardest thing was to let go of the old me um, and the expectations I had for myself pre-transplant. So healthy, thriving 20-year-old Brooke before she got sick had really high standards. You remember. <laughs> I wasn't even great enough to meet those high standards. <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode in yeah. season one. Season one. Um, I had impossible standards for myself and really high goals. And I realized pretty quickly that 
um, I couldn't just be a traveling musician after college like I planned on. I was going to need health insurance, which means a job that gets you health insurance. Um, my medications cost a ridiculous amount of money per month without it. Um, and I had to say no to things. I know you said one thing, but it's just an entire lifestyle change. Hey, this is your, your, it's true. Your thing. So you do whatever you want. <laughs> do what I want. Um, and so I remember in college being the girl who had to be like, no, I have to go to bed when all my friends are going to go to steak and shake and hang out. And that wasn't fun, but I learned to say no a lot earlier in life than most people do. It's really good. Um, there's this moment where you talk about this conversation you had with your dad. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool moment and one that I, I love. I've heard, heard the story several times before. Um, first tell us what that's what it was and then um how do you see that because you say that this changed the way you care for people but how do you see that practically today what has it actually done for you yeah um so after the hospital um they had me in a hotel in new orleans near the transplant center where we stayed for a few weeks and i was so weak and i remember having to decide if i was gonna pursue singing again And it was the first time I had ever had to think, okay, now I'm really going to have to work at this. I'm going to have to make sacrifices for it. Before then, it had kind of been just what I did. Um, And I was weak, like mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And my dad said, Brooke, do you still feel called to sing? Um, And I said, I do. It just, it seems too hard. It seems impossible. Um, And he he looked me in the eye that day and he said, I'm going to believe for you until you can believe for yourself. And so he was the one who kind of every day encouraged me, okay, let's sing a little bit. Let's walk. Let's build some energy. Um, And just having somebody look you in the eye at the point where you can't even believe for yourself, um, it's changed how I care care for people because I've since then looked a lot of people in the eye and said, you know what, it's okay if you have unbelief about this thing. I can believe for you until you can believe again. And that's, that's powerful. That does something to your soul when someone can look at you and say, I'll believe for you. I'll be with you until you can do it again. Yeah. It's huge. At the, uh, there's this moment in the, in the blog where you, where you say, you, you list the things that you're doing. You're, I'm doing all the right things. And there's this feeling though, that, that even though you're doing all those the right things, you still aren't able to return to who you were. Yeah. How do you reconcile not being able to, to do all the things you wanted, even though you're doing all the right things? You, if you take these pills at eight and nine and after you eat. Yeah, I followed the eat, rules. I did everything right. by the book. You're doing all of that, but you're still not seeing the results. Like, What did that look like, that journey to reconcile that? You know, um, I feel like I'm still in it. Yeah. I don't know if that's crazy. It's been 15 years. Um. But you can't just erase 20 years of living a certain way uh, right. from your memory. And so there are days where when I'm not in pain um, and I'm taking my meds and I feel like my normal self, that I like overdo it with activity. Yeah, um, You've seen it in our 10 years of marriage, like uh, just push myself. I'm like, oh, let's get stuff done. Let's, you know, do have an adventure. And then I pay for it in the days after right. um, with pain or fatigue or whatever. Um, it was, it was gut wrenching, gut wrenching and heartbreaking to me. 
um, because I still don't, in some ways, I still don't feel like the best version of me. Hmm. And I can never get back to that. But that's the trade-off that I accepted when I said, I want to stay alive. Yeah. What's the other choice, right? Right. Uh, I, th- You know, I, I just thought of this, but I, I think it's interesting. You know, like most transplant patients, um, a typical transplant patient has a transplant much later in their life. Mm, I don't know about that. Theoretically. But Theoretically. I, yes, okay. Most people who receive transplants, either it's a traumatic event or mm-hmm. there's some sort of failure in the in that body part later on in life, right? <laughs> yeah. But the typical person doesn't get one when they're 20. Right. And so most of these people have an opportunity to live their 20s. And as most of us, either you're, you've lived through the 20s and you know how pivotal those are. Yeah. Or you're in your 20s and you know how much life you're experiencing. For you, though, it's kind of like you lived 18 years with your parents telling you, you know, they're great people and they're great parents, but they were telling you what to do, where to go, when to you know, yeah. you had teachers, everyone, and you went to this college phase of life and you didn't really get to fully live that out right. or fully live out these other passions and dreams. So it's always this, this moment that was almost robbed from you mm-hmm. that you have to reconcile that. And I don't know. I mean, if anyone listening would say, yeah, 15 years should have done that for you. And I don't <laughs> know what's wrong with you, but I think that's something that you'll never really ever be able to be like, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Like my twenties mm-hmm. were stolen from me, uh, in a lot of yeah. ways. I think it's fair to say that you that I will grieve that in some way for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, thank God for counseling where I can process stuff like this. Um, and, you know, I know I had a lot of transplant support in Mississippi. Um, and there were a lot of kids that had transplants. That's what I was kind of thinking about when you said older people. It's people who either are born oh, totally. with an illness yeah. or um, had more time to get sick and prepare for yeah, life and you after. Didn't have that. And because mine was so quick, um, I didn't. I feel like I, I didn't even have choices right. about managing my health prior to my illness. Yeah, you didn't get like a make a wish thing. Like I wanted to do this before. You no. know. <laughs> Yours was like, get on the plane and get that liver out of your body now. Yeah. And when I think about how I've reconciled it in whatever ways it is, like, I mean, I have a beautiful family and a beautiful life. Um, there's still grief. And right. I think I think that's just a good thing for anybody listening to remember is that, like, you celebrate and you live your life, but there's still going to be pain points and points of grief. Um, and they don't always get reconciled. They don't always have a reason. Um, and And that's okay. Yeah. At the end of the blog, you give some things to work on this week. You want to go through those with us? Sure. Um, So the first one is about identifying places where you want to change so that you can grow. Um, So one of the big things is to kind of journal or write down um, where uh, where do I want to grow and what's stopping me from that Mm. Um, and and, and see what change is required of you. Um, And then... To break it down into something measurable, yeah, um, because otherwise it just feels completely overwhelming. Right, absolutely. Uh, like this is a big change I need to make, um, whether it be a, like a lifestyle health change or a relationship that needs to change or learning to set healthy boundaries, like whatever it is. Um, what are boundaries? Tell me more about this. <laughs> there's a blog post on that. Oh, great. Yeah. So I could just go to thebonusyearsblog.com and binge read. You totally can. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Um, so I think. Knowing where we have to change in order to grow sets us up to say, okay, I'm self-aware enough to keep moving forward. Um, And then taking stock of what things in our life um, can cause damage to our mental, physical, or emotional health. So that could be from trauma 
um, in your personal life. It could be from like being on social media too much during an election year and COVID yeah. and wildfires Kick off social media, like all the things. Um, and so list out the things that are damaging, like be in tune with your body. Um, when you feel happiest, when you feel the most healthy and notice when something sets that off and then limit that or That's cut good. it out altogether. Um, and community, and you're going to hear this over and over as we keep going forward together. Um, you need people, uh, even if you don't like people that much, there are people who can be your people. Absolutely. Um, and so think about the people who, when you spend time with them, they don't deplete you, but they give you energy and life and help you dream bigger, support you, encourage you. Those are your people. Um, and my heart is that bonus years will provide that community too, um, through blogs, through classes, through coaching. Um, so you can engage with us on social media. You can engage, um, on the blog posts when they come to your inbox, you can comment and feel support. Um, yeah, you can follow at the bonus years. Is it just at the, yeah, bonus, at years? the bonus years on Instagram, Instagram and, and Facebook. Facebook. Um, your personal account. Can people follow that? Yeah. Instagram is at the official broke garad. Not with another underscore at the end. Yeah. I got my first uh, spam account copycat. It's because this podcast is just below and taken up. off. So you can follow us personally, see our life or yeah, follow, you can the follow bonus me years. at Ben Garad. Yeah. On Facebook and Instagram. I mean, and here's the last two. This is what we are known for in our life. Laughing, uh, not taking ourselves too seriously. Um, Pro at that. We are not perfect and we can admit it and be big goofballs about it. And then building in time in your life for things you love. So good. Creating stuff, nature, whatever roller coaster it is. Tycoon. I mean, my husband and his roller coaster tycoon, man, he it's, loves that. It is a big deal. It's life giving for you, huh? It is life giving. It reminds me of a simpler time. And I back when people you know, the milkman showed up. Not I do really. not get the same fulfillment from that game. You don't. You're really bad at it. I'm really... I watched you play that first level. I, I couldn't even handle it. I had to walk away. I blame my parents if they're listening. They didn't give me enough computer time as a yeah. child to One actually build a park. A day? It was something like that. I don't Yikes. know. Patty, I might, I might need to have my parents come on here to defend themselves. No, that doesn't that sound right. So uh, get creative. Find out what you love, even if you aren't good at it. I did watercolor painting with my daughter the other day, and we hung our pictures up in the kitchen. I can see them right now. Hers is way better than mine, and she's seven. So Yeah, she totally kicked your butt. She's an artist, and she Jeez. that gives her life, and I get life from being around her energy like that. So um, hang in there, folks, if you're struggling, uh, if you're going through it. We're here. We're your people. True that. We'll be here for you. Got any more questions, Maestro? No. Any other things you want to share? Man, take care of your body. It's a temple. Yeah. I, I think I'm thinking of it in a new way this past year because it's the first time we've really talked about uh, the potential that I'll need another organ transplant before I Not expire. the potential, the inevitability. Okay, that's Is that a better. word? The inevitability that I'm going to need yeah. another liver before I die. Yeah, which is just um, crazy. It'll be a fun journey. And reconciling that with my normal life right now. Yeah. So well, this time Ben's on the road w with me. On the road again. <laughs> I just can't get, wait, wait to get on the road. No, that's, that's enough. We'll I cut can't that wait out. to travel again. Last week it was, you did the share I thing did. and now I sing. I, I don't know back who did time. that. Um, well, 
Thanks for tuning in today. <laughs> we hope you really enjoyed this uh, first episode of season two. We're really honored, as always, that you choose to even spend 20 minutes with us. Um, if you enjoy what you're listening to, hey, please subscribe and rate this podcast. Yes, give us some ratings. The world to us. Uh, and remember, uh, also, the, the new blog post is released each Friday, and you can hear us talk about that post right here in the podcast each week on the following Thursday. That's kind of our new rhythm going into season two of the Bonus Years podcast. Hey, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.